I want you to have hope for the future. I want you to have a positive view of your near-term future with regards to the economy and money, and importantly, with regards to your personal economy. Today's episode might feel a little bit heavy at times, but I hope that if you stick with me through the end, that I will be able to take some weight off your shoulders. So I don't know if you pay attention to the headlines, pay attention to the financial news especially. I definitely do. As somebody who's been involved with the investment world since 2008, as a financial copywriter since 2010, it's something that I pay a ton of attention to. And there are a ton of headlines now about economic uncertainty, about the Fed raising rates, about inflation, about the dreaded R word, recession, right? And you might be wondering, what does this all mean for you? And normally, you know, this is breakthrough marketing secrets. So normally I talk about copywriting, marketing, entrepreneurship. Today, I'm going to talk about the economy. And it's relevant because we're tied to the economy. Our businesses are tied to the economy. And whether we like it or not, it's like a fish talking about the water. It's what they swim in. The economy is what you exist in with regards to your financial existence. And so we're going to talk about that. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you want more content like this, especially if you are in copywriting, marketing, entrepreneurship. Let's dive in. These are the proven direct response marketing, copywriting, and entrepreneurship success strategies you can use today to write your own ticket and create the life you want. I am Roy Furr, and this is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Now, here's today's breakthrough. All right. Uh, today's episode, as usual, is sponsored by me. Check the first link in the description for my course, Zero to 100K, How to Build a Six-Figure Business. So I sat down and at first I was just thinking, okay, what are the, the tactical things that you need to do to build a six-figure business? Uh, it's, it's something that I've gone through. But I've, I quickly realized as I was trying to put together that content that so much of what holds people back from their true potential in building a business is in between their ears, right? It's, it's the thinking that they have going on. And so while I did cover some practical, tactical advice on how to build a six-figure business, so much of that business is how to turn yourself into the type of person who is able to build a six-figure business. And that's what that zero to 100K course is about. It's part of my BTMS Insiders training library where you pay one low monthly fee like Netflix and you get instant streaming access to the entire catalog, including zero to 100K. Check it out. It's the first link in the description. All right, uh, so on to this whole idea about creating your personal economy. Uh, first, I'm gonna acknowledge that yes, the economy is a hot mess. And here I'm talking about the US economy. I'm also talking about the global economy. Like it or not, despite how much some people might push for isolationism in the context of, oh, I only want products and services made in our country, the economy is global. And if you try to reject that, you do it at, at your own disservice. You are damaging your own potential for success if you try to limit yourself to only, only operating within your own country. We have a global economy. And if you look at the long-term data over the past 100 plus years, the long-term data says that that global economy has brought up the average cost of living across the board. 
Um, and yeah, that doesn't mean it's perfect. And it doesn't mean that, you know, there's not any potential for anything better. But having this global, cooperative, collaborative economy, it absolutely has served all of us. But, but in the context of that global economy, in the last 20, 30, 40 years, something has happened that has led us to a point where we are in a situation where a disaster is, is really kind of imminent. Um, it's, it's what we might call the finan- or what's been called the financialization of the economy. And that is basically the creation of economic opportunity through financial meddling, through programs created to, to control the economy. And all of this meddling has add-on effects. So, for example, low interest rate policies. It's one of the two big ones that I want to talk about here. Low interest rate policies, uh, for example, were sold as, hey, we're going to help housing be affordable. Well, housing became super affordable until people were in houses that they couldn't afford, and then the housing market collapsed. And really, probably something similar is going on right now, although the collapse may not be quite as bad as, as last time around. Student loan affordability. Like, student, the cost of, of education used to be so, so low compared to where it is today. And then people decided, okay, let's make student loans affordable. <laughs> and then the more affordable that the student loan became, the easier it became to borrow to pay for education, the easier it became for the cost of education to go up. And it became this feedback cycle where the loans had to become more affordable so that the increasing cost of education could be taken care of. And because the increasing cost of education could be taken care of, the loans could be more affordable. And it created this affordability crisis in the context of student loans. So like all of these low interest rate policies, and these these have been happening across the board. Interest rates have been going down for since the 80s. And it it's created this situation where without low interest rates, like if you try to raise interest rates, there's potential disaster on the horizon for so much of this economy that is reliant on the meddling of low interest rates. Stimulus funds from the government, um, in particular around the COVID crisis, you know, some of them were incredibly useful for people who weren't able to work and generate an income, and they were uh, an essential lifeline that was being thrown out in the context of of the shutdowns from COVID. That said, all of that money suddenly appearing inside the economy had effects. And it took a while for those effects to, uh, to add up. But all of that money appearing inside the economy has effects. And when there's suddenly a lot more money sloshing around for the same amount of goods and services, or because of supply chain issues associated with the exact same shutdowns, more money sloshing around for less goods and services, what do you think is going to happen to prices? Well, uh, prices go up. Um, And so all of this meddling, while it may serve a a beneficial immediate-term effect, can create challenges down the road. And those challenges are often much bigger than um, than the initial challenge that they were trying to solve. And here's the thing, like, politicians and professional economists are all subject to the same human biases, the same flaws of thinking as the rest of us. So 
it's it's well known in the investment world that the average individual investor who should buy low and sell high will pile into a bull market when it's near its peak buying high and then will sell out of fear when the market has crashed selling low. They do the exact opposite of what they're supposed to do. Well, economists are subject to the same emotional whims that cause individual investors to do that, except for what happens is the entire economy is impacted by the decisions that they make. And so like all of this stuff that politicians do and that um, economists do, people involved with central banks do, all of these decisions that are made may in the short term be made with the best of intentions, right? But they're all subject to the same um, fallacies that shape the individual's um, the, the, the individual's mistakes, and yet the when these mistakes are made on a national policy level, they have some much bigger effects, and they create these terrible economic situations. <sighs> hmm. So, um, in the context of that where we're at today, hopefully things won't get really bad. Uh, there's this great book that I think everybody should read, and it is about Germany in the 1920s and 1930s in the Weimar Republic, and the book is called When Money Dies. And this was the period of time after World War I and before the rise, or actually during the rise of Nazism in Germany. And this book tells the story of hyperinflation and how it was one well-intentioned decision after another that led to massive destruction of the German economy through hyperinflation. And um, inflation is an absolutely terrible and relentless force and destroyer of wealth. And thankfully, I think that the people at the Fed know that. And despite the fact that causing a market crash and recession uh, could create some near-term pain. They're probably trying to make decisions that are going to um, err on the side of having more of that, more of the short-term recession, market pain, than more inflation. And I didn't believe that, you know, five years ago. I didn't believe that two years ago. Uh, but they, they've seen inflation start to... Uh, stretch beyond their control. So now they're likely to make a mistake in the other direction. Um, and it's going to cause some short-term pain. It's going to cause some real suffering in the big economy. Uh, but out-of-control inflation is even worse. And, um, and so hopefully, hopefully what they're doing right now is, is doing the right thing. And so all of this to say, all of this to say that everything you do today is in this context. Like I'm, I'm putting all of this inside this big economy context. And I understand it. I understand it. And I hope that you do too. Um, and I will say that you can't escape it completely. There is no way that you can escape the context of the global economy. Um, there are minimal ways that you can escape the context of your national economy, your local economy. But but, 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 big but, you have more control over your personal economic situation than most people think. So I want to talk about the way that our brains work a little bit more um, as, as we go into this. 
I want to talk about confirmation bias and the stories we tell ourselves. So in the context of, oh no, the Fed's raising interest rates, uh, the markets are crashing, and everything is going to be a disaster, and we have this inflation, and all of that. As we are hearing those stories, and as those stories are being repeated to us over and over, we are subject to this insanely powerful force inside our brains called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. So the gist of confirmation bias is that most people don't make rational decisions. In fact, probably none of us actually make rational decisions. It's just a matter of like more rational or less rational. Most people don't do any research. Most people aren't scientific in the least. And for the most part, the more confident they are in their conclusions, the less scientific they probably are. Uh, even, even scientists, like the best scientists will say, you know, this is what the data says. Uh, you know, the, obviously, if we gather more data and it conflicts this, the conclusion could be different, but this is what the data says today. That is mature thinking. That is the closest to rational thinking you're going to get. But most people will say, the data says this, therefore, this is the truth, and you should never question me because this is the truth. And you'd be an idiot if you questioned me. So why are you an idiot, dummy? <laughs> right? So that's how most people treat what they think of as rational decision-making or rational conclusions, right? We make a conclusion. We make it, this is confirmation bias. We make a conclusion and then we are going to find that evidence to support it and ignore evidence to the contrary. This is very well studied. This is very well studied. Daniel Kahneman, the author of Thinking Fast and Slow, won a Nobel Prize uh, for his studies in behavioral economics, including discussing things along the lines of confirmation bias. So we make this conclusion and then we find the evidence to support it and we ignore evidence to the contrary. And by the way, that's what's going on with your political beliefs right now. That's what's going on with your economic beliefs right now. We do this all day long. So what does this have to do with economics and specifically your personal economy? Well, you're telling yourself stories. You're telling yourself stories about the economy. You're telling yourself stories about your current financial situation. You're telling yourself stories about what's in front of you, right? So what stories are you telling yourself? Are you saying the economy is terrible? There's no opportunities available today. Everything is getting harder. Everything is going to get hard. The situation is going to be a struggle to get through. Well, if you're telling yourself those stories, how are they influencing your behavior? What confirmation bias are they feeding? Are you clicking on more news headlines that feed the data that, oh, the economy is getting terrible, right? And, it, and it's going to be terrible for you. Are you, is that the news that you're feeding yourself with? What actions are you taking as a result? Are you spending less time going after opportunities? Uh, what opportunities are you pursuing if you believe these stories about the big picture negative economy and how, oh, we're all screwed anyway, so I guess I'm just going to sit on my couch and drink some beer. <laughs> so if those are the stories you're telling yourselves and those stories are influencing your beliefs and your behavior, how would a new story influence you? How would a new story influence what you chose to do today?
you could choose to tell yourself the story that in the context of this economy, brand new opportunities are being created. That it's not all bad news. There's actually a ton of good news out there. That there's a ton of opportunity out there waiting for you to take it. That you just have to pursue those opportunities because they are there and available to you. You could tell yourself the story that now is a good time to do something new and something different. Okay, something else was working last year when the economy was different. Now we're going to try something new and different. You can tell yourself the story that you can be a huge help to people in this moment, that you, you can provide solutions. You can provide some kind of positive outcome for people in this moment. You can tell yourself that story. And then give yourself confirmation bias for positive and future-focused stories. Create and pursue those opportunities that exist because the economy is changing, because everything is different today. Instead of shutting down in the face of, you know, what's different, find new ways. Create your own personal economy, which is the whole point of what I'm talking to you about today. And yes, okay. There will be a lot of negative stories, and to some degree, you won't be able to avoid negative stories about the economy uh, for maybe the next few months, maybe the next few years. I don't know. But there will also be positive stories. There will be exceptions. The economy is this big term for like this gigantic thing that's like flying through space, right? Like uh, the, the global economy is a planet that's flying through space. And on that planet, there are people climbing mountains and there are people falling down cliffs and there are people, you know, going one direction and going the other, right? Everything is not going in the exact same direction inside the economy. That's just this big representation, this big idea in the context, like that's built from all of these little ideas. And if the big trend is one way, your personal trend can be any different way. You could have radical failures in the context of the most, like, boom, the biggest boom of, of recent history in the economy. You could have terrible failures. Or the economy could be crashing and you could have incredible success. It happens every time that there is a crash. So yeah, there's always going to be things to complain about. And honestly, the more news that we have access to, the more news we consume, the more we'll have to complain about. It's true. It's true. When you have all the bad news in the world being piped into your smartphone that you keep in your pocket, you're, you have a whole lot to complain about. And yes, there are terrible things going on in the world today. There have always been terrible things going on in the world. There are some things that I sure as heck hope stop. Some, some misdirection, some indirection that I think, some dangerous directions that I think the world would be well served if, if uh, people moved in a different direction. So there are terrible things going on in the world today. There's also more access to opportunity than ever before. All over the world, including where you are, listening to me, watching me, if you're watching it, this. There's more access to opportunity than ever before. 
And so the macroeconomic, uh, the macro economy can be in trouble, right? The big economy, macro means big, right? There's some inflation, uh, but it's still mostly manageable in most places. Um, you know, I feel really bad for the people who are having 10% per month inflation said 10% per year, uh, because some national economies are dealing with that, right? So there is some inflation, uh, but for the most part, for most of us, it's pretty manageable. And if you move your money into different currencies, it may be more or less manageable for you. There's also the potential for recession, which is reduced gross domestic product, GDP, uh, which basically is adding up all the, econ all the money that changes hands in an economy. Um, there's the possibility that a little less money will change hands over the course of the year. Uh, but that's usually not more than a few percent. Even in a really bad recession, usually it's just a few percent. So like, oh, uh, $95 changed hands instead of 100, right? Still $95 changed hands. Um, and in light of this, in light of the current situation, some people are about to have their biggest successes ever. So what you need to do is ask yourself, you need to study, why are those people the exception? What do they do differently? What can you learn and model from them? Well, like what are those people doing differently in the context of this economy that is creating opportunity instead of destroying it? And you know, we deal with this thing in marketing frequently where rags to riches stories are kind of, um, you know, talked down about, uh, looked down on. And some people hear a rags to riches story or like I came up from, you know, I was born in the projects and I created this big success. And some people treat it like it's a scam, right? Overpromise and underdeliver and oh, um, you know, most people will never make that money, so whatever, right? They, they treat it like a scam. But other people see it like a blueprint. They say, how could this be a blueprint for my personal economy? And the economy is going to do what it does. You need to do you. You need to be you. The big, out, the big economy, it's outside of your control. It's not something that you have any control over. But you can create a personal economy based on the actions that you take, based on the decisions that you make, based on where you focus, based on who you serve, you can create your own personal economy. And for most of us, for, most, for many of us, that's gonna happen through entrepreneurship. There can be lots of different ways to create a personal economy, but for most of us who are going to be involved with Breakthrough Marketing Secrets, it's gonna happen through entrepreneurship. We're gonna create new value in the world. We're gonna create new offers. We're gonna adapt our offers to a moving market, right? To, to a changing market with new scenarios, new situations, new demands, new challenges and problems that people are trying to solve and our solution can be adapted to those new needs, right? And we can be a life preserver and a helper in the context of this economy that is causing struggles for some people. Knowing that money is moving, Money is going to keep moving. Money flows, it's what it does. That's what GDP is, it's a measure of how much money is moving around and there's trillions of dollars moving around all the time every year. So what can you do today to make some of it move to you? Don't forget to check out the link in the description to zero to 100K, how to build a six-figure business. I'm Roy Furth, this Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Don't forget to like and subscribe too so you can get more content like this delivered to you. 
And let me know, like, what do you think? Sound off. Uh, let me know what you think. Are you working on building your personal economy and how much you be doing that? All right, I'll catch you again in the next episode. Thank you once again for tuning in to this daily episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Remember, check out the links with this episode for even more value. Now make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, and engage in every way you can to keep this show going and growing and delivering daily value to you. I'll catch you soon for your next big breakthrough.